Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows, in addition to kind of whatever, mainly we shout, just shout nonsense into our microphones. Jeez, I am tripping over myself today. Hold on, I'm pick up all those banana peels that are right in front of you. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm your host, uh, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. Holden, I don't know if you saw this, but apparently M&M's is getting rid of the M&M's mascots. Yeah, I saw that. I initially when I saw that, I thought it was like a joke. <laughs> I thought it was like a like an onion bit or something. But yeah, they're retiring them temporarily. Uh they are st- yeah, they're suspending them indefinitely. Why? <laughs> uh cuz I don't know they changed the shoes last year and that was controversial. Or Tucker Carlson or somebody got upset. Yeah, I Anyway, Holden, that. this is related to movies because as you know, the main reason I go to the theater, oh, not yeah. the big screen, not the delicious popcorn, no, not the not. kids who talk in the middle of the movies, not the person who kicks the back of my seat, not the person you awkwardly say, excuse me, sir, this is my seat. It says so on the ticket. You're in the wrong spot. So please move. Uh, not for any of those reasons. I'd like. Not for making out with Holden during the movie. Of course not. Right? No. We can do that at home. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is for... The M&M's ad <laughs> to tell us to silence <laughs> our cell phones beforehand uh, that they have been playing since 2011-ish, <laughs> approximately, <laughs> where he says, this is your mission. He's like, no, this is an envelope. You think I'm an idiot? So I'm many gonna be good on- moments. So I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure. They might have played that back in Lincoln, um, but I like never noticed that commercial before you pointed it out to me, like freshman year for me. <laughs> <laughs> and since then, so it's been about five years for me, five, six years. But yeah, before that, I wasn't even aware it was a thing. It was definitely a thing when I was in high school. Most of listeners probably don't even know what I'm talking about unless they like are in Sioux Falls. Just uh, just look up, uh, no, this is an envelope, yellow M&M or something. <laughs> M&M, <laughs> silence your cell phone rocket commercial. Yeah. That they've like edited funny. a couple times over the years to keep it updated. Yeah, they keep it a little bit fresh. So I'm wondering, is this the end of that? And if so, theaters are dead. <laughs> <laughs> this is the killing blow. It wasn't COVID, it's this. Yes, um, <laughs> but that's my tangent for today. What do we got on the docket for this episode, Holden? Yeah, we've got a great episode for you this week featuring our reviews of the second episode of The Last of Us, but also Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Don't even dare wishing again, because it's the last one. It's the last wish. All right, let's dive in. That one movie podcast. Tomp. But first, Jimmy, we have to do the Toms. Tom's is a rapid fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. I feel like we're going to need to change that to three mildly famous Toms. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I like the way it is. They are decreasing in relevance every day. 
there's a, there is a sense of irony in this and i i enjoy we already say it's rapid fire and it's not so <laughs> all right holden we got some trailers on the docket which trailer should we discuss first uh we can talk about the mandalorian trailer dun, um, dun, dun, dun. yeah this is a short dun, 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 little trailer dun, 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 dun. that played it came out while we were recording last week actually the uh, nerve so of disney old. i say yeah right they they knew we were recording now they send us the paychecks like they couldn't have waited yeah Bab- i mean that's like a bit easier that's like babylon coming out during avatar i mean just push it off <laughs> you yeah, cannot compete with us and our audience <laughs> i don't care if it set a new viewership record or whatever it did was it? it did something it was like the new mandalorian trailers got 50 million views in like one hour or something wow See that's that's funny because I like have not seen anything about this trailer aside from the trailer itself. Like I knew it was coming out, and so after we were done recording last week, I went and watched it, and I have not heard a peep about this trailer since then. Let me see how many views it has. Mandalorian trailer, not Andalorian. Mandalorian season three trailer. Holden, the new one has six million views. What was I looking at then? No, oh, well, <laughs> I, I don't was, think that's a record. No, that's not a record. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it had. I thought I saw something. Well, I stand corrected. Then Holden. Anyway, what do you think of this uh, this trailer, Jimmy? Um, well, first off, it would break the record had it not. It was. It was the article was had that one movie podcast not been recording. Oh yeah, yes, it yes, would have. Yes. It is record. our fault. Yes, it well, is. Disney shot themselves in the foot with that one. Classic so. Disney. Uh, Holden looks, you know, pretty good. We got th- this is more about actual Mandalorians, I guess. The mm. Mandalorians are having an identity crisis. They're like, what does it even mean to be a Mandalorian? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> is it just the style of our armor? They're is asking it, the big questions. Yeah. Is it that we have sweaty heads because we never mm. take off our armor? Uh, is it that we all cannot itch our noses, or it could is be it any something, number of things? I bet they have deeper? like specific. I bet they have specific things for scratching their nose. Like there has to be like they have like nothing a else. Stick like stick they can just shove up there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there has to be something. There has to be. Yeah, I mean, it's probably on one of like they got the flamethrower gauntlet. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a nose scratcher yeah it's yeah it just looks like one of those back scratchers with a hand on the end but like a miniature one obviously yeah 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 Yeah. well and they have another one that's like a covid test too oh yeah of course obviously (laughs) um but uh, holden one word coruscant it's back maybe it's in here is that what that was briefly you see the doctor guy who's gonna do tests on little grogu I don't remember that much from the first two seasons, honestly, but I remember the little doctor guy because I started rewatching it and I'm like, oh, there's that doctor guy that I forgot about. Yeah, I really don't remember much from the first two. I'm going to have to definitely rewatch it because that's, yeah, I don't know. Or maybe I'll just watch a plot synopsis on the internet. Well, maybe I'll just listen to our podcast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Incredible. Um, let's see. I. I mean, it looks it looks interesting. I will we'll see. We got obviously the uh, Naboo Starfighter. We'll see if mm-hmm. that. Uh, I mean, it's a, an amazing design. We'll see if it grows on people because people love the Razor Crest, myself included. Um, but yeah, I I mean, the Mandalorian is definitely peaks and valleys for me. I think it's very good at times. I think it's kind of just 
meandering filler mm-hmm. and spin-off like launch pads. Yeah, at other times. You know, I mean, granted I don't feel like I've been keeping 100% on top of everything with the Mandalorian or anything, but it feels like this season's going to be less like, oh, there's Ahsoka, there's there's Luke. There's all of that. It feels like it might be a little bit less that, which will be good. It'll make it more focused and less feel like it's just building up for other things. Um, I think I think that would be much to its benefit. Yeah, bring in Bo-Katan. You're going to need Bo-Katan. That's fine. But yeah, just everything else. Let's just keep it, keep it to a, a simple or simpler story. You know, we don't need Boba Fett in here anymore. No. You got the little Babu Frick guys. Oh, the yeah, one yeah. redeeming quality of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's the other, I don't know, is one of them like a bounty hunter in Empire Strikes Back or whatever? You got the guy with the weird eye things. You know what I'm talking about? At the, at the very no. end of the trailer, Grogu, oh, like, Grogu force pushes one out. I didn't recognize that that design. So it's from something. Okay. Um, something original trilogy, I think. Uh Always maybe rehashing f- stuff. Am I right? Maybe you fight it in the in Fallen Order or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, look, give us a, a more straightforward, simpler story, more tight narrative. Uh, one would say tighter narrative. Um, and uh, <laughs> one would say that. Yes, and uh, I think we have something good because I mean, like Mandalorian at its best is really, really good Star Wars, and even at its worst, it's it's okay. It's yeah. uh, I did realize I'm like you know the show is called Book of Boba Fett, and I thought about it today as I was rewatching The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I could talk about my thoughts on that and what are you doing, but as I'm watching that, I'm like, it's Book of Boba Fett, which does a little bit imply that it's part of the Mandalorian overall story, and this is like a side chapter in the Mandalorian story. So I'm like, I guess it makes a little bit more sense that there's half of the show is just the Mandalorian. I I mean I don't know I don't I feel like that still doesn't excuse two whole episodes just being Mandalor the Mandalorian. They though. should have called like, it the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, that'd be better. The chapter of Boba Fett. The chapter of Bo- that would be more accurate. I, a, a couple just pages <laughs> of Boba Fett. <laughs> the two sentences of plot of Boba Fett. <laughs> Boba Fett stands in the corner in one of the episodes. <laughs> the Mandalorian as Mandalorian story. The book of Boba Fett, a Mandalorian chapter book. Yeah, something like the that. The picture book know. of of Boba. There you it go. doesn't matter. I still don't like that show. <laughs> still the worst Star Wars show we've gotten so far easily in my opinion. Yeah, I, I haven't seen Bad Batch, and I still need to watch The Tales of the Jedi, which I need to remember to do after I finish rewatching The Mandalorian and before I watch The White Lotus. Yeah, it's just a lot of content, Jimmy. We're content So machines. much content, Holden. <laughs> anyway, Mandalorian. Uh, we've been on this one for a while. Uh, but Baby Yoda's cute, cool, cute. Uh, Grogu. He's cute. cool. He's cool. Um I'll give it a Brokaw, sure. I'll give it a Brokaw as well. Yeah, sweet. Uh, other trailer we have, Scream 6. Um, previously, we kind of talked Six. about the little teaser they have. <laughs> uh, but this is full-length trailer. Um, what would you think of it? 
I thought it was weird that they released a full-length trailer like three weeks after the teaser. But yeah, um, it. I mean, it it feels like they should have spaced this out more. I mean, because like what the movie comes out in March, and we got that first trailer like very end of December, beginning of January. Like it's just bizarre that. It's so recent. I mean, I guess there is kind of nothing going on in the movie world right now. Yeah. Get it out before Oscar nominations and whatnot. Yeah, I get a little buzz around it. little buzz. Um, okay, so overall the trailer I think looks fine. We can go into specifics later, but before I forget, I want to talk about... Did you notice like the terrible dialogue? Like, like the There's some terrible edit- audio editing in this. No, at all. No, it like it stood. I I feel like I don't usually nitpick this, especially in a trailer. But I mean, lots of times in trailers, you'll have like them spliced together multiple lines of dialogue, kind of, and it, you you can kind of notice it if you listen to it. Um, but usually, it's it's not that bad. But the there like the worst example of this, I think, is in this trailer, and it's like it's when they're in the like the ghost face layer thing and she's like looking at the knife and i don't know who's saying it if it's uh courtney cox or who but she says something along the lines of we're gonna lure him in and when she says it sounds like every word in that line is taken from either a different take or from a different line in the movie it it is like you need to go back and watch this trailer after this because it is distractingly bad hmm um and I in, initially I didn't even notice it, so it's I mean I'm not surprised you didn't. But then I saw kind of a comment about it. And now I cannot unhear it. But anyway, that's just the trailer itself. That has nothing to do with the movie. I'm not going to hold that against the movie. Um, what do you think of the trailer, though, Jimmy? Uh, I mean, hard to tell what's going on, but there's a lot. Like, is there more than one ghost face again? Um, mm-hmm. Is it a secret society? What are they parodying? Again, if like you don't know Scream is a parody, uh, you would not gain- garner that from this trailer. It's definitely just played as an outright horror trailer. So we'll see. Don't really know what's going on. I like the fact that yeah. they're just in the city. New York City is an awesome place. Maybe my favorite city in the world. So I'm excited to see it as the yeah. setting for this Nice change movie. of setting. I... um. Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting. I think I mentioned this to you, but when I first watched this trailer, I was like, oh, it's weird they're playing it straight. But then I remembered they did the same thing with the previous one. I don't know if that's like how all of the Scream movies have been, how the, the trailers just play it straight and then the movies are a lot more into the satire and everything. We'll see. But I, I doubt that this movie will be playing it straight because that would not be consistent with the series. And I... I I mean, not that this means anything, but I saw that, like, the original film, like, the writer of the first four movies said this one was really good, but he could also just be paid to say that, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, we got one of the returning characters from Scream 4, uh, Kirby. She was kind of a fan favorite from that one. She was a pretty cool character from that movie. She's, She's back as part of the main cast, it looks like, um... Then you have, you know, Gail Weathers, played by Courtney Cox, and the cast of Scream 5. They're all looking like they're... Some of them are going to get killed. (laughs) (laughs) This ghost face is different. Yeah. This one's... 
something new or whatever he says i like uh one of the things i like about the scream movies is they're not afraid to just like kill off legacy characters in the sequels um there's usually at least one or two examples of that in each movie so we'll see who of the survivors from the previous movie die in this one um yeah i don't know i I i'm very excited for the new york setting i agree with you i think it seems like it could be fun i really enjoyed the last one there's no indication that I should not enjoy this one yet, so I'm going to give it a Broca. I'll also give it a Broca. Um, Jimmy, it looks like uh, Jason Momoa might not be among the uh, the actors cut from the DCEU. It's not officially confirmed, but uh, Jason Momoa did share on social media that he has some very exciting news related to DC Studios coming soon, which I assume will be coming along with James Gunn's uh, upcoming announcement he promised happening, I think, by the end of this month. So we might be getting it in the next couple of weeks. But he just said that he has very exciting news. And I'm like, well, that just means he's still Aquaman, right? <laughs> well, what was the other character he was going to be? Well, there I saw people saying something about Lobo. Um or whatever i don't know i mean if he is going to be lobo instead i think he would be very good at that i, I think that would be honestly maybe even an improvement for him because i like jason momoa aquaman's kind of a lame character though and lobo is is pretty funny he's pretty wild and i think jason momoa would play him really well uh well i don't know anything really about either of the characters i guess i have still have not seen aquaman <laughs> so i know you bring that up every time we mention aquaman yeah like, well you got about a year before the new one comes out so that's still a year away i think it's december oh my gosh yeah um good for jason momoa i guess bergeron yeah i'll also give it a bergeron um jimmy M. Thregan is already getting a sequel. Oh boy! Um, not only is it also it already has a title and it also has a release date, so they they have got this one down. They know what they're doing. Um, it's not called M. Forgan like you might expect. It is actually called uh, M. Thregan 2.0, and it's going to be releasing on January seventeenth, twenty twenty five. Just so just under two years away. Um, looks like the two leads from the previous film, Allison Williams and Violet McGraw, are going to be returning along with the writer, Akella Cooper. Um, 2025? Yeah. December 2025? January 2025. January 2025. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to say, if I have to wait that long for M3 again 2.0, <laughs> I don't know if I can make it. I'd be a little upset if I had to wait that long for M3 again 2.0. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be down to see it. I, I think the first one had some missed opportunities, so I'm excited to see what the second has. Uh, I'm going to go Bergeron, Holden. I Yeah, I'll give it also Bergeron. Um, I know they're not going to do it, but they should just make this one R-rated. Just do it. Just Come do on, it, guys. yes, please. <laughs> That's a movie that actually would benefit from an R rating. Some people yeah. are like, this movie should have been R-rated. I'm like, uh, but this one, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um. Other uh, movies we saw recently that confirmed for a sequel, Violent Night 2, Jimmy. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, <laughs> um, director Tommy Workola in an interview recently said uh, that he confirmed that a sequel is in the works. Uh, he says they're taking their time with the script, and it's possibly, which is possibly due to David Harbour's upcoming, like, Stranger Things and Thunderbolts, you know, like two of the biggest things happening in the next <laughs> few years. He's probably going to be pretty busy. Um, but, uh, 
Tommy Warcola's quote was, yes, we're talking about it. We're just making deals and getting everything in order. There's stuff we left on the floor, like the North Pole, Mrs. Claus, the elves. But story-wise, I think we have a really, really cool idea that expands on the world and scope, but still keeping that tone that we love from the first one. Violent Night 2.0. Here we go. <laughs> Violent Night. It's gonna be uh, this. It's gonna be Violent Night. Some play on Holy Night. What's it gonna be? Violent Night. Bloody Night. Uh, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Violent Night. Gory Night. Violent know. Night. Holy bleep. <laughs> all is calm. All is fight. Yeah. Each each sequel, they'll just keep adding on to <laughs> adding on to the song. Jingle uh, what hells. <laughs> Uh, what do you what do you think of a violent night too, Jimmy? Uh sure. I mean the first one there was some hits, there were some misses, but the hits were funny, so why not make another one? Great concept. Yeah, very good concept. David Harbour killed it, literally. Um killed a I, lot of people. He did. <laughs> Quite a few. Um yeah, I I'd be super into seeing a sequel. Even I'm I'm with you. It wasn't it was far from perfect, but very enjoyable. Very nice. Uh, Bergeron is where I'm at. I'll give this one a Brokaw, personally. Well, way to just make <laughs> me look bad. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, some more casting news about A Quiet Place Day 1. Um, apparently, Alex Wolf is going to be joining the cast, joining Lupita Nyong'o and Joseph Quinn. Uh, he's best known for his roles in Hereditary, Old, and uh, the Nicolas Cage movie Pig. Yes, I know also, who you're talking uh, about now. Yeah, also, uh, for those of you uh, deep cuts, he was one of the Naked Brothers in the Naked Brothers band. He was? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Him and his brother Nat Wolf were the Naked Brothers. Wow. Never watched that. <laughs> I never did either, but I just I learned that fact. Was that Disney Channel or Nickelodeon? I think that was Nickelodeon. I just remember, what? I hate this. I'd rather watch Spongebob. <laughs> that's kind of how i was at the at the time that came out i was just into cartoons this like, is not carly yeah that's why i watched like cartoon network because for a while they didn't have live action yeah but cartoon network bro yeah um you into this you like you like alex wolf yeah i do yeah, he's I, pretty, he was very good in hereditary even yes. though i didn't really like that movie yes he's very good in hereditary hereditary hold on I will scream it from the mountaintops. Hereditary is so good the second time. Holy smokes. We literally talked about it last episode. Transformative. (laughs) Okay, I'll rewatch it. Probably not anytime soon, but I will at some point. All right, sounds good. Do it. Do it before Uh, uh, Bo is Afraid comes out. Okay, I could probably do that. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'll give this a Brokaw. Awesome. I'll give it a Brokaw too. Why not? I'm excited for this. A Quiet Place Day One movie. Yeah. Has a lot of potential. It'll be a day one watch for me. Am I right, Holman? It sure will. Well, that's just because we like to go on Thursday nights, Jimmy. (laughs) 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 Has nothing to do with the quality or anticipation. Um, Anyway, uh, next up, Tron 3 is officially entering production, Jimmy. Yes, it Uh, is truly a double-edged sword <laughs> yes uh, it is someone, isn't it? <laughs> so, such as me um it's so it's going to be start filming in august um so you know of, of course baseline i love tron legacy excited to see more tron content but uh this is 
the previously uh, we've talked about it probably a long time ago on this podcast it was rumored it was gonna be called tron aries uh with jared leto attached to star <laughs> which um just fantastic can't wait i do not okay a slight tangent i don't really understand how jared leto is like still getting like starring roles right like i feel like everyone just doesn't like him no i don't think hollywood like actors like him i don't think the general public likes him yeah i don't even think he's very good looking no <laughs> he's, like, he's like charles I mean, manson was an actor <laughs> like <laughs> why it's pretty accurate like why would you give him any roles like i mean i is- like the the only thing i can think of is so then you can say you have academy award winner jared leto attached because he does have an oscar but like i don't like since that i've never i've never even seen dallas buyers club but since that movie has he been it has he like done anything good <laughs> I don't, he did I've, he did uh blade runner he was actually oh yeah good in that but i'd still say he's like the weakest part of that movie though like i i I I don't think he's like bad in that movie, but still, like I, other movies he's been in. I mean, he was in Suicide Squad. Ah, I liked that. Ah, <laughs> ah, he was apparently ah. like the worst part of House of Gucci, um, <laughs> which I never saw. Um, apparently, he just was doing like a Mario impression the whole time. Apparently, it was just cartoonish Woo-hoo. Italian. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't understand it. I don't, I mean, and of course you have the the recent train wreck of Morbius, which to me, that would just be a turnoff right of in and of itself, right? Like, like everyone's making fun of Jared Leto and Morbius. Clearly he, like no one is like Hollywood is just not in on the joke. I don't know. It's, it's so weird. Who is the main guy in Tron Legacy? Um, Garrett Hedlund, I think is his name. He's not like he never really rose to the stardom of a lot of other people but the few things i've seen him in since he's like actually good i'd say he's not that great in tron legacy but he's like he's kind of become a character actor since he's pretty good so i mean like just have him come back i know he's not like a like a draw but i don't know he's a better probably a better actor than jared leto (laughs) (laughs) like um yeah this is a bombadil holden sorry I don't have any nostalgia for Tron Legacy. It I understand aesthetically it's it's great. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And they really push the envelope, if you will, with the DH Jeff Bridges. That yeah, was that just was fully so... CGI Jeff Bridges, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean it looks bad. I've rewatched that in like the last year or so, and that, that does look bad, but I just I adore that movie and i also another aspect of this that could also contribute to me not liking it as much like daft punk is like not a group anymore yeah and they like they made the like soundtrack one of my favorite movie scores of all time so i don't like i don't i mean maybe they would come back for this but i i have my doubts yeah um uh it's a bombadil holden sorry i I don't i don't want this (laughs) I might on. Uh, I think I'll go Bergeron because I'll, I'll hold out a little bit of hope, but I'm definitely leaning more towards the Bombadil overall. Um, anyway, um, Edgar Wright's next movie. I actually was going to talk about. Apparently, there was like a lot of reports I saw earlier in the week that Emma Stone was attached to his next movie, but then I think those were debunked. So instead, I'm just going to talk about his what his next movie is about because I didn't even know. Edgar Wright 
director of Last Night in Soho and Scott Pilgrim, Shaun of the Dead, all of that stuff. Uh, his next movie is called The Chain, and it's going to be following a, a single mother's uh, a single mother whose child is kidnapped, and those responsible force her to kidnap another child, and so on and so forth. It's going to be a chain of kidnappings, Jimmy. Ooh. So interesting concept. I mean, if if Emma Stone was attached, that'd be that would be really cool. Obviously, she's great, but I'm, I mean, I'm sure they'll get someone good. Edgar Wright is a, a very well liked director. Seems like a cool idea. Definitely going more in his horror thriller tinged uh, thing he's doing right now with like Last Night in Soho. But hopefully, this can kind of improve on some of the issues from that movie. Yeah, um, I, sound interesting to you, Jimmy? I like it. I'll give it a broke. I'll also give it a Brokaw. And my final piece of news... Actually, I guess we have a piece wait, wait, of one second. News I just was looking up Hot Fuzz to make sure it was uh, an Edgar Wright movie. And yeah. I did not realize that Patty Considine is in that. Yeah, I, I think when I was... Um, when I was looking up what Patty Constantine was in, I saw that, but I like I can't picture him in that movie. Isn't he like one of the main characters, this like one of the top build or something? Yes, Andy Wainwright. Maybe? My guess is he's like their chief of police or like the guy in charge of them when the, when uh, what's his name, the main guy, he gets moved to the small town. Simon Pegg. Yeah, Simon Pegg. I'm guessing he's like he's like the chief of that small town or something. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but I should rewatch that goofy movie. Patty Considine, of course, is a Viserys Targaryen. In yes, and he's House very of the good. He's very good at that. Uh, um, so broke off for me, Holden. Yeah, broke off for me. Uh, final piece of movie news: uh, Steven Spielberg is producing a documentary about his longtime collaborator John Williams about his life and career. Uh, apparently, it's going to be directed by Laurent Borzaria. Uh, probably said that wrong. Um, she is best. Uh, she's mostly done a lot of the behind-the-scenes featurettes for most of Steven Spielberg's uh, films. So I don't know if you've ever watched any of those, but apparently she made those. So I don't know, but did you know that the shark on Jaws is named Bruce? Yeah, I did know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I can't wait for when Steven Sp- Spielberg is like doing this interview. He's like, I just none of my movies would be successful without the work of John Williams. He just brings scenes to life. It's like having a cheat code. <laughs> is he gonna say that? <laughs> Something like that. Okay, he's just gonna talk about like he's gonna be like. I remember when John Williams first played me the theme for Jaws on his piano. And I and it was like a cheat code. And it was like a cheat code. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like when you'd plug into Lego Star Wars to unlock Darth Vader. Yes. Um He's gonna He's a gamer. I, he made ready play I will one. I will swear he's gonna the He's going to talk about how he remembers John Williams playing the Jaws theme on the piano. And the first time he's like, at first, he's like, that's it. This is going to make the movie. <laughs> Without that, Jaws is nothing. Without the tension. That, Jaws is nothing. <laughs> it's like a cheat code. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I, I'll watch a John Williams documentary. Heck yeah. yeah I like how awesome. he's just like, you think I'm retired? Nope. Never mind. <laughs> Here Just we go. We're making a Ten more years. I'm ninety. <laughs> <laughs> Do for him. John Williams is a is a 
B-A-M-F. All right. Decipher that, kids. Okay. Uh-huh. He he reminds me uh, uh, another example of also a movie I forgot to add to my honorable mentions last week, uh, but uh, Hayao Miyazaki with Studio Ghibli. He's just this old crotchety man who I think will just work himself to death. <laughs> but he has a new movie. But he's not a crotchety man. No, that's true. I guess I shouldn't say that. Hayao Miyazaki is crotchety, but uh, they're both old, and I think will both work themselves to death. If Santa Claus was real, it would be John Williams. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's see. Is there anything? What are we even talking? The documentary. Great. Sounds good. Brokaw. I was also going to say, and it's very too late now, but we both gave the Edgar Wright thing a Brokaw, and I was going to be like, so you could say it's a chain of Brokaws, huh? Hold on. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, that was too late. Yeah. <laughs> Lost all of its momentum. <laughs> um, okay, but then the other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, the uh, the Suicide Squad leaks for the game. Oh, yes. So Togp. Real quick. Yeah, Togp real quick. Suicide um, Squad kills the Justice League, the new Rocksteady game, Rocksteady. Of course, the studio mm-hmm. that created Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight, three of my favorite video games of all time, probably my favorite video game series of all time mm-hmm. as a whole. Uh, highly anticipated game. Holden had it even higher anticipated than me, said it was a day one buy for him. Did I say that? I believe you did. I was <laughs> okay. like, "Wow, you're committed," and um, I I retract that. I was like, I was like, really? I'm like, we haven't even seen gameplay yet, and uh, yeah, it has leaked that it's it's going to be a games as a service. It's going to have battle passes. It just seems loaded with microtransactions, and this is a darn shame. Yeah, it's um. I don't inherently have a lot of problems with this kind of monetization if, like, the game is free-to-play or whatever. Um, but in games like this, especially when it's single-player... or I, I mean, not I mean, I know it has co-op, but it's, like, a story-based game with co-op. It just doesn't feel like it will work in any, like, good way. Um, it I was telling you, it feels very reminiscent of the Avengers game yes. from... Um, crystal dynamics from a few years ago which actually just this like this week was announced that it's going to be uh, shutting down or whatever um but in that case it, it was another case of oh you know a cool idea people are hyped just on the concept alone you get some cinematic trailers or whatever um but then it, we get very little gameplay until the months leading up to it and then this stuff leaks that it has all these battle passes and random monetization practices that kind of just screw over the game it makes me think i mean it, it makes it feel like the game is going to be grindy i it, it i mean i don't know if it's going to be like gotham knights but it kind of feels like that where it might be like somewhat open world but it's just going to be a lot of battling bullet spongy enemies and trying to get different loot different like in-game currencies i don't know it just it does not sound appealing really anymore I think for me personally, I mean, I think I'll still keep it in my top 10 just for rock steady, but I think I'm moving it down to 10, honestly. I think that's how much this bothers me. Yeah, I mean, like, I think I'd rather play the Dead Space remake from what little we know of everything, personally. Well, hold on. Why don't you just jinx all the games we're looking forward to? <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I mean, s- uh, speculating, I would imagine that this is 
has to do with the eight year gap, the eight year development of this game mm-hmm. and just how long that is and how much money that would cost to take that long to develop a game that I would assume that Warner Bros is trying to recoup some of that with this model, which apparently is very lucrative um, if you can get it right. But again, this isn't free to play and it's no, I don't know how multiplayer focused it's going to be. I hope it's not very multiplayer focused personally, because I don't care for multiplayer games. I like just single player experiences, but again, that's the minority of people who play video games, but I feel like you already yeah. have Fortnite and Apex Legends and Warzone and all that to cover that niche. And the these games uh, these games as service models have just really proven themselves to not work, especially in like full full priced releases like this. Like the one exception I'd say is Destiny. Like Destiny seems to work. I bet that might just be because it's the first one, honestly. Um all of these other ones, um, but since like, then, I mean, Destiny was made free. So. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, it is free to play now. Um, but yeah, I, if there's a, there's a couple really good videos. Those of you listening from uh, uh, James Stephanie Sterling on YouTube, I, I watch their stuff sometimes. But um, recently came out with some stuff or videos talking about how like Square Enix themselves had like four i think it was four live service games come out in the last year and they're all shutting down already because of how unsuccessful they are like it's i don't like this seems like a weird industry trend that no one is getting right i don't know why it's still a thing that people are doing here's an idea how about you make a good single player game and then you make a good solid dlc expansion for that yeah player game yeah (laughs) that people actually want like even like i mean even rock city with arkham knight the season pass was incredibly controversial at the time being Mm -hmm. 50 dollars i think and most of it was (laughs) batmobile tracks which you know went over (laughs) super well but uh there was the season of infamy expansion with some good story and that was quality stuff and i mean even that it's like i'd rather have that than the games of the service model um because arkham knight was a full game i mean it wasn't like oh here's half the game it wasn't the original star wars not the original but the 2015 star wars battlefront where it was four planets (laughs) four (laughs) maps and it was a 60 dollar game plus a 40 dollar season pass or whatever that was um I think that's just the model. I mean, you look at the games like The Witcher, and people love the DLC for The Witcher. Yeah, you look. It, it, yeah, just other games. I mean, even The Last of Us, the original one, you had the game, and then you had the Left Behind DLC that is just as beloved as the main game for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think that would be the model that would have been the right way to go, and it's it's too bad that that went the game as a service model instead. Yeah, everyone's now looking very fondly back on just the the simple simple days of a game having a season pass. Like I know that at the time had a lot of controversy. I think it's I think having those DLC expansions is like the logical, you know, logical progression from, you know, the the days of having old PC hard expansions and everything. So it makes sense they do they would go this route. But yeah, I kind of kind of long for just having a simple either season pass or just a couple pieces of DLC you could buy, you know. I mean, heck, even you, you, Ubisoft with the Assassin's Creed games, which 
are a little grand grindy for a lot of people's taste but i mean most of their dlc i mean you can pay to like upgrade faster or whatever but you don't really need to it's not that mm-hmm. grindy in sure. my experience and uh they had some solid story expansions too so i mean even ubisoft can do it so i don't know this just seems like a, a huge miscalculation hopefully it doesn't tank an otherwise good game but mm-hmm. hopefully it is at least an otherwise good game and we can all just wait for it to <laughs> go on sale or be all patched out of it like what <laughs> happened with uh, Shadow of War, the game I played yeah. this summer, which was riddled with microtransactions and online crap and grind at launch that just buried it. And it is a great game and people mm-hmm. are rediscovering it. It's a really a hidden gem. Um because all that's been patched out and it's on sale and you don't ever have to pay very much for it and it's a great game so hopefully uh this doesn't just to completely derail it because that'd be a a darn shame and if you do really want to play the marvel's avengers game i think i saw not only are they ending support but i think they're like fully delisting it later this year really (laughs) like yeah i think so like you can't even play the single player game anymore well, like you can if you own it, but I don't. You're not going to be able to buy it like digitally. Oh anymore. my gosh! Seriously? Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Wow, that's incredible. So, I, if you want to play it, I'd get it. Unless, I mean, you could probably still track down a. But I guess if they delist it, you probably can't even get the updates and stuff anymore. So. Well, you know, good thing Square Enix is going to recoup all those losses with Forspoken. Oh yeah. Oof. Which oh, uh, apparently yeah. that's not very good. Which it doesn't surprise me based on the last couple of things I've seen. I didn't play the demo, but you did, right? Yeah. I it honestly like people are like praising the controls for that game more so than I like that's like one of the things people do like. And that was like my biggest sticking point with it. So I don't know. If if people are liking that and I don't already, but people don't like the other aspects of it, I'm like, I feel like there's gonna be nothing in this game for me. We'll see. Yeah. Probably uh, won't play it. Bombadil for Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. Same here, Bombadil. Too bad. Uh, Holden, I believe you said you were going to buy it day one. We'll have to roll back the tape. Yeah. <laughs> you. I might have said it. If so, I retract it. Yep. All right. Anything else, Holden? No. Let's get on with our Last of Us review. All right. Don't, don't hit that other button on your phone. Stay tuned for our Last of Us review. All right, uh, The Last of Us, Season 1, Episode 2. Full spoilers for the episode. Like before, we'll, we'll try our best to avoid spoilers for later in the game since we know the whole story and everything. But full spoilers up until this point. Um, Jimmy, you had said previously this is like your favorite part of the game. <laughs> uh, they skipped over one of my favorite parts of the game, so... <laughs> so what what was the part they skipped over? Uh they skipped over the part where you're in the skyscrapers and it's raining and one's leaning against the other and it's kind of falling apart as you're going through it and that's when you first really get introduced to clickers and whatnot but they kind of oh, combine right. that with the museum. Um which the museum is cool in the game too, but I was like shoot, I wish they would have done it in the skyscraper cuz I feel like that's a little I mean the museum's cool, but I think the skyscraper's a little cooler. 
Yeah, my guess is, I've, at least for me personally, I feel like the museum is a bit more iconic uh, to the game. Like, it, personally, I can, like, remember the museum really well. I, I, I kind of know what you're talking about in the skyscraper, um, but it's it's a little bit fuzzier for me. So my guess is they just kind of wanted to go with the more iconic bits, um, since obviously they'd have to cut out, you know, some things. Interesting, I, because, I mean... The, the other one's at night and it's rainy and it's just dark and that's when you first get the clickers and I just mm-hmm. think the atmosphere is cool not that the, again not the museum isn't I'm also just a sucker for skyscrapers in general so sure it's like a train sequence <laughs> my goodness <laughs> the last of us needs trains. a train sequence <laughs> make it happen um but overall what you think of this episode Jimmy I thought it was okay I I, really? I thought the clicker scene was good. And I thought Emily made a really good point. I I I think it's hard cuz I'm replaying the game and I'm remembering wow, this game is just so good. <laughs> and I just don't think that the show is living up to the like the show has not been as good as the game. And for a game that that's cinematic, I feel like the show, it I, I I'm finding myself liking more the stuff they're adding to it that's not in the game than the stuff they're adapting from the game. If that makes sense, like I think the stuff sure. they're adapting from the game is just not as good as playing it in the game. Yeah, I mean, I to me that's just for most games i think that's just something that's always going to be the case i find it hard to believe that there's ever going to be a time where watching a movie or tv show like recreation of something from a game is going to be as good as just playing it in the game and i think that's one of the big struggles just video game adaptations have to work through um so i i mean i don't to me, I don't know if it's like necessarily worse. I honestly think it's like about it's about as close as it could get for me personally. I think like I I'm I'm pretty satisfied with how they're doing everything, because um, obviously they're gonna have to cut stuff out, uh, even with a TV show that's more long form, um, and yeah. So I I feel like they're they're definitely doing the best they can. And I think I'm appreciating that aspect of it. And I still think it's solid on its own, too. I think it's, I mean, I think it's okay. I just don't think it's, it's not living up to my expectations of it, I, I guess. And not that, it, I'm, I don't know. I, it's kind of, watching it, it's almost like I wish we would have gotten a spinoff instead of an adaptation. Like an adaptation of the world. Because I think they're, it also just seems like they're more interested in the world building than the actual story of the game. Because the story mm-hmm. of the game, honestly, is not about the the disease as much. No. It's not really a focus. That's more just like the background, which is interesting to learn about. But it like the story is, is Joel and Ellie and just human nature and humans in sure. this environment. Where this is more like there there's a clear focus on the, how the disease spreads and the infected and how this came to be. Which I think is interesting. It's just different. I wish they would have almost just made a different show. Because I, mean, I it, don't feel like the, the Joel and Ellie storyline is at nearly as good as the game. And I f- I, I'm just, 
I feel bad for the people who are experiencing it here for the first time as opposed to in the game because I just think a lot of the key moments just play out better in the game. I also think that some of these scenes are just boring. <laughs> like some of the dialogue scenes where it's like, oh, like the scene where they're just sitting and talking to Ellie. I just sure. I just didn't think that was all that interesting. And in the game, you you have this dialogue, but it's taking place while you're exploring. And the game you have yeah, like you have these yeah. drier moments, but you are actively doing something because it's a video game. You're searching for yeah. supplies because you need yeah. to out of necessity but you're also getting all the environmental storytelling while you're doing that you're finding the artifacts you're piecing together these little stories you're looking in the corners and you're seeing you know an infected like the <laughs> a guy against the wall which i think they show in this episode which is cool and all that i just Wasn't don't the previous episode it might have been but I, I just don't think it has that i just the the show just feels slow and plodding at times to me it's just not as exciting and then i I like the clicker scene and and then i was asking emily about it too because she knows a little bit of the story not the whole thing and she's just kind of like my haven't played the game perspective and she's like yeah i thought the clicker scene was good but also i thought a quiet place does that better and i thought about it i'm like yeah, I feel like this the a quiet place. She's like I feel like I've already seen that. And yes, uh, The Last of Us came out first. But in terms of live screen adaptation of this stuff, she kind of has a point that I think it is probably more entertaining in a quiet place, but not that it's bad in this. Yeah, I don't know. I <sighs> I think for me it's it's hard to compare that to a quiet place because we've we've gotten like one scene with the clickers right like yeah. it will we'll get more and a quiet place is is a full movie that's flushed out and is like built around that one concept meanwhile last of us has a lot of other things going on besides just the clickers so i think for what it is that works for me i think the reason why i like this show is working for me st- still really well is just because i I think I've been able to distance myself from the fact that it's not the game. Um, I mean, like like you were explaining and I had mentioned before, the, the video games, you have the extra layer of um, interactivity um, that just make... that. That's the reason why a lot of these adaptations don't work as well and so why some of the better adaptations are ones that are like very loose adaptations like i think of like the castlevania show on netflix which castlevania is a a game that you can't really adapt the gameplay at all or anything into a movie and it has a very loose story so it's you know turning that into a tv show is is fine and people are okay with that here i i just think it's you know i i think it's something you just kind of have to step back from and be like okay there's no way in a visual format i can have that interactivity so aside from that, like, how does it hold up? But for me personally, I think it holds up really well. I, I, I've, I've really liked this episode. Um, I agree with you. I think the news things they add are probably the best parts. But even still, I like the recreations they do of all the other scenes, um, the bit in the hotel, and um, and I do like the clicker scene quite honestly, um, quite a bit. I think there's some cool things they do there. They look um, great, by the way. The prosthetics are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just in general, the visual effects in this show are, are, are pretty great. The sets and 
Um, even the obvious CG backgrounds still look very convincing. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really working for me. I, I, I'm wondering if you replaying the game is like the worst thing you could have done. <laughs> like, well, I, honestly. I think it's just making me appreciate the game a lot and just how well everything is told within the game. Because even within the game, I think, like like I said last week, the reveal of Ellie being infected is, I think, is so much more effective in the game. And I also think the reveal of Tess being infected, infected is way better in the game, too. It's a lot more surprising, whereas this, I feel like it's just so telegraphed from mm-hmm. their encounter in the museum. And Emily's like, well, I saw that from a mile away. Um, which, again, I think it just loses a lot of that dramatic tension and she kisses a, an infected <laughs> what no uh, i liked that you, a lot okay i was like this is strange why did the no i thought it was i, I killer. but that's that's what i mean i think like a lot of the things they add that are just weird and i mean like you said they seem really focused on like the disease and everything and that's just that adds on to that because i mean i mean obviously she it's it the the infected just comes up and kisses her i wonder I mean, I wonder if they're going to elaborate as to more as to why they do that and stuff. It, I mean, I th- feel like that's where the influence of of Craig Mazin having worked on Chernobyl comes in, because like that that show, while it does have a fairly engaging story, it's like it's much, it's equally as interested in like the fallout of the event, the actual, the science behind the event and everything. And so all of these, like, especially the the two scenes we've gotten at the beginning of both episodes, it feels very Chernobyl-y. It felt oh, like... Oh, yeah. Uh, or, or Contagion, too. And which I've never seen, but I, I believe the, that. Yes. Very, the, the first scene of this episode was very similar to Contagion stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, it which I I really liked the opening of this. I like again, I I like the stuff they're adding that's completely <laughs> unrelated the best. I think that's been the most interesting for me. Yeah, I I hope they have they keep having these intro scenes. It kind of feels like it's a, a norm they're establishing. And I I don't know how all they're going to keep making them and making them different, but I'm sure they can they have ways. Um I saw some comments on um like YouTube and stuff that apparently the actress in the beginning is like the biggest Indonesian like movie star. <laughs> like one of the, she, I guess I described as like the Meryl Streep of oh, Indonesia. Wow. So, That's I mean, cool. she was very good, but, um, yeah, yeah. Again, with that intro scene, they're, they're very much leaning into scientifically. There's no reason there should ever be a cure, mm-hmm. which is very interesting way. They're doing that way more so than they did in the game. Yeah, which could lead to events down the line being interesting. I'm I'm just curious how that will play as we get as things move along. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the intent is just to to add to the moral quandary that the that the show will pro- the season will maybe end on depending on how if we do get through the full game or whatever. But um, we'll see. We'll see. I I'm interested in in those. A uh, big change from the game is that the infected are like a hive mind. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, I mean, it doesn't... It's That's what it is, I guess. It doesn't bother. I mean, scientifically based in actual stuff. Interesting yeah. change. And you have, in, of course, in the game, tests. It's more like a military thing. 
doesn't make a ton of sense why the military are after them. It makes more sense here that the infected are after them with this hive mind thing. Um, we'll see how that works. I, I think they'll do it when it's convenient and they won't do it when it's convenient to, you know, like, oh, I thought these people weren't connected to the hive mind for whatever reason. And these ones are. Yeah, I I think... You know, it's just adding to fleshing out that that cordyceps and everything. I honestly, I think the reason why they're focusing so much on the disease is it's probably because they just they want to add their own mark to the story without you know tarnishing the story itself or like changing it because it's so beloved or whatever. So they don't they don't want to you know change it too much, but they also want to add their own mark onto it. So I, I feel like them focusing on and fleshing out the disease is is kind of a logical thing for them to do. I think it makes sense. And I think it, it is pretty fascinating. Yeah. Again, I, I just almost makes me wish that they would have just done like a, an outbreak show based mm-hmm. in this world. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see how it continues to progress. We really haven't gotten deep into the Joel Ellie relationship at all and that's the crux of the show and like i said the first few hours of the game are arguably the the weakest few i mean after the the intro um so we'll we'll see once we get into the meat and potatoes here um uh, for next episode they're setting up the bill and frank storyline it looks quite different from the games Mm -hmm. so we'll see how that goes i mean a lot of that storyline in the game is just finding a a battery for a car or finding a car yeah, and honestly, I I struggle to remember a lot of that section of the game aside from like the ending. So we'll see. I you'll that'll be another place where you have to remind me <laughs> on the on the similarities. Excited to see Nick Offerman though. Yeah. So so yeah, hit him as as Bill. Um, mm-hmm. I think the humor in the show's been pretty good so far. Pretty solid. I think the jokes have mainly landed, mm-hmm. um, and haven't been too much of a tonal shift or anything. Um, yeah, I thought Tess was okay. Um, I think that was something that I felt like they could have improved upon from the game, and I just think they didn't, which I think is a missed opportunity. But yeah, she's not a flawless character that. in yeah. the game either, uh, which is a shame because Anna Torv is outstanding actress. I feel like they just kind of simplified her character or something, which her character's... I mean, somewhat complicated, but doesn't have a lot to do in the in the main game. But I don't know. I felt like she was just kind of a plot device in the show more. Just like, oh, I'm just going to say exposition and then we're going to do this thing. And now I'm dead. Yeah. Um, interesting that their plan is to, ju- to drop off uh, Ellie to become Bill and Frank's problem. <laughs> which is funny to me because that is not what it is in the game there joel is like i need a car from bill bill hates literally all other people he's we're seeing us as going to be the bane of his existence um so yeah we'll see how that plays out uh, i'm excited for the changes we'll see um how it compares to the game and i'm trying to think of other aspects of the episode we can talk can we- about you bringing that up makes me wonder how how much Bill's gonna be playing into like Ron Swanson because like Ron Swanson doesn't like people. Yeah, so. <laughs> Nick Offerman. Yeah, I think there's gonna be quite a bit of humor from the Bill character. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and uh, I mean, in the game, Frank is not very much an on-screen presence, more of an off-screen 
presence. Yeah, and the in the, in the the storytelling, lap told through dialogue and artifacts and whatnot. Um, well, it doesn't. Is is he dead by the time in the game? I don't know. Because he's like not. Yeah, you don't see him at all. I don't know. I so will. I am not going to say anything for fear of spoiling the show. So, okay, I couldn't remember. So anyway. I mean, I can tell you after, but I was not going to go there because <laughs> I didn't want people who haven't seen the show to have it spoiled for them. Holden. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, this we're starting to get into the more Joel and Ellie stuff, so we got to get that them really clicking, start to feel that emotional connection as we move forward, and uh, yeah interesting um we'll see how it continues to play out i don't think i have anything to add for this episode i don't think so either i i'm enjoying it so far i'm i'm liking it we'll see i like it so far but i would recommend playing the game first and experiencing it through the game first based on the two episodes Mm -hmm. so that's where i'm at holden let's talk about puss in boots the last wish let's do it All right, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, um, directed by Joel Crawford, who's the director of The Croods 2. <laughs> wow. Haven't um, seen it. Which apparently is better than the first one. I don't know if it's if it's how good it actually is, but in comparison, it's better. Anyway. Croods uh, 1 is, is okay. I've never seen either, so don't have much to go off of. Um Puss in Boots, uh, The Last Wish, it's the sequel to Puss in Boots, which came out over a decade ago. Um, I do think it's funny. A lot of people are like clowning on Avatar 2 and they're like, oh, that movie is making no cultural impact. And it it, it, it like was a decade in the making. And now Puss in Boots 2 is doing it. And I'm like, that was also a decade in the making. Like Puss in <laughs> Boots 2 has been in development hell for over a decade. Um Anyway, um, a movie that no one really cared about, um, but has probably had some of the most impressive word of mouth, like, just spread I've seen in a while. Um, Because the movie came out, reviews were very good, and it's, I think it's, like, consistently been, like, earning, it hasn't had much of a drop-off at the box office. I think... I saw something like this last weekend was it's was like even bigger than its opening weekend or something crazy like that. It's like like people are talking about this movie. People are seeing this movie. People are liking this movie. Um, but Jimmy, did we like it? Did you like it, Jimmy? Yes, I did, Holden. And before we dive into it, I got to say my quick review of Crude's One because it's I think it's <laughs> clever. OK, OK. Crude's One. Let's say Crude's One, the original Crude's movie. It, it's here's what I can say about it. It's not my least favorite movie where Ryan Reynolds plays a character named Guy. There we go. OK. OK. I mean, the other movie is Free Guy, a movie. I yeah, hate, I, so. I understand. All right. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish is very good, Holden. It is it's too good <laughs> yeah. honestly like why is this movie as good as it is it's it is remarkably good uh has really no reason to be as good as it is it's um just in, like every aspect i have seen this movie jimmy now three times <laughs> oh my gosh Alden. <laughs> 
I had seen it once prior to us watching it. Us watching it was the second time, and I have watched it a third time since. And I like I. I think I'm cutting myself off at this point. I'm like, I'll wait until, you know, it comes out on streaming. It's going to do well on streaming. Oh yeah. Um, but it is, I, I love this movie. It's, it's among my favorites of the year. Um, I think it is my favorite animated movie, even though I do love the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio over Pinocchio. I think so. Only mostly because I think this one is just more, um, enjoyably rewatchable like that movie i i love and i do want to watch it again but it is longer um and it is a bit more dreary than this movie it's like this movie is a lot of fun um funny too it's funny adult humor Uh, yeah uh it's gorgeous it's got a, a great story awesome characters great voice it's it's really got everything excellent villains yeah yeah, villains plural without getting into them too much. I um yeah, I mean I guess really we can't we can't talk about in terms of villains, I feel like the only one we can properly talk about is like Goldilocks. Because there's stuff with the wolf and then the other one I is like not in the marketing at all. Like I don't like I feel like most people don't know that the villain is in it until they get to, into the movie. So I think we should just avoid to that sure. one. That one I, I don't even remember hearing any anything about any of the villains from the trailer. I don't yeah. really so remember we, the trailer. So we can just avoid them anyway. Um but Puss in Boots himself. Um he's a, you know iconic character at this point with the Shrek franchise pretty much the breakout star of Shrek 2 I mean people loved the the big kitty eye thing you know that he does and Mm -hmm. um, just well-liked character Antonio Banderas has pretty much killed it since the start he's he's always seemed like super into it like he's just like Antonio Banderas is like the 60 year old man who's just living it up as this little cat guy (laughs) it's just it's very funny yeah yeah um and he's i mean puss in boots i never have felt like is like that deep of a character but there's like it's weird because it kind of plays into that like like how how he's very just like prior to this he's very much just a surface level like bravado like very full of himself character and that plays into the story of this and then we we get some more fleshing out of him here's Um, an analogy for you put this one on for size all right okay (laughs) if shrek is breaking bad this movie's better call Saul. okay you see yeah i I feel like there are a lot of (laughs) parallels there actually like for some reason really good antagonist you take this like two-dimensional character and add tons of depth where like he Mm -hmm. has this like very like in your face facade but it's got like serious you add in like a a love interest interest that's complicated with the character Mm -hmm. and can feed off their worst tendencies i feel like there are an incredible number of parallels here yeah yeah more gorgeously shot (laughs) more gorgeously shot than the original Mm -hmm. arguably better than than some of the original content i i think there's a lot of similarities here yeah no i that's now that you bring that up that's a good point (laughs) and uh you bring up the love interest um i i should have mentioned at the beginning you really don't need to see the first one prior to this um really the only things that are carried over are um the love interest kitty soft paws is in the first movie um 
but I mean, you really don't need the first movie to understand their dynamic and everything. It's it makes sense. Um, this movie made and, sense, and I did not see the first one. Exactly. Yeah, and and then the other thing is there's like some flashbacks uh, occasionally with uh, it shows like kind of brief little f- glimpses of Puss getting his his boots and everything, but it really doesn't play into the story much at all. Um, but yeah, aside from that, this is pretty disconnected. Um, I, I feel like, okay, don't get me wrong. We both really, we both like Shrek 2 quite a bit. We reviewed it on the podcast. It was our first listener request. I feel like this is the best Shrek movie though, right? I think this might be better than Shrek 2. I don't remember really a lot of the Shrek movies. So yes, (laughs) (laughs) definitively. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Shrek 2 has some great stuff in it. And I mean, I understand people who are hesitant to say that because of nostalgia or whatever. But I just, I think what this movie explores, it just everything, like, the comedy in it is, like, on par with the best stuff from, like, Shrek 2. But I think it's more consistent overall here. Um, it's it's just fantastic. Um Animation-wise, I mean, I think we we talked about when the first trailer came out, but there's a lot of inspiration in the action scenes, especially with, like, Spider-Verse. But it's not just, like, a straight-up copy of Spider-Verse or anything. Um, In the action scenes, it does kind of take that low frame rate um, movement for a lot of the characters, but the art style itself is kind of a nice mix between like the Shrek art styles and something like Spider-Verse or just it making it everything a little bit more vibrant. So I think it, it takes those ideas and, and makes kind of its own unique look for it. It's gorgeous. It's one of the best looking animated films ever. Yeah. Hands down. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's a remarkable achievement for Puss in Boots too. of all things well that was not on anybody's radar um (laughs) yeah animation is is gorgeous and the beginning of this movie what an opening Mm -hmm. 10 15 minutes i mean it just is incredible i was just like i cannot believe this is happening like (laughs) just the animation's gorgeous the choreography is incredible Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. the lighting the cinematography they just the sequence itself the music everything is just so much fun and so kinetic and electric and it just it just blazes through fast pace exciting what a great way to open the film some solid jokes in there too um and yeah Mm -hmm. if if you've seen the trailer i won't say if you haven't seen the trailer but if you have seen the trailer kind of the main action scene that's been used in a lot of the marketing is what the opening is so if you're kind of worried about that being like oh you know the later high point of the movie now that you're getting that in the first 15 minutes and the movie only gets better from there in my opinion in a lot of ways um but yeah that opening is is just incredible it's so good (laughs) <laughs> um it's also got you know the the spanish uh soundtrack mm-hmm. of just kind of the um what's the uh oh my gosh what are the freaking bull guys called matadors you know matadors yeah it's got the matador vibe and it's just you know that just style of music is just fun and exciting to begin mm-hmm. with so to have that as the backdrop and background of this film just adds that energy to it and keeps you going and so that's I appreciate that the music was great, animation's great. Mm-hmm. It's funny, it's got heart. It's just fun to watch and like you said, very rewatchable. 
checks all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Exciting for little kids, exciting for adults. Even your tweens and teenagers will be entertained <laughs> by it. I think it's really yeah. good for just everybody. It is. It's like an hour 40. Um, it's incredibly well paced. It's it's pretty short, so that's very nice. Um, I mean, good message. The f- good, yeah, very good message. Um, a lot of the, or the first time I saw it, um, I saw it like a Sunday afternoon. And so there were a lot of kids in the audience. And ever, all the kids were like just super into it, as well as the adults. So it's a movie that just works for everyone it keeps the kids distracted but the adults were all super invested in it and yeah it's it's very dark too um in a lot of ways i I wouldn't say it's like i I guess i shouldn't say it's like super dark or anything but there's like some pretty spooky moments in it and um a lot of what it explores regarding like just like death and mortality and all of this stuff it's it's pretty heavy stuff for like a kids movie and they really don't shy away from it too much um but i think it's it's cool that it doesn't treat its audience like like babies <laughs> yeah yeah it might be a little scary for like little little kids mm-hmm. you know like under five but yeah think, maybe yeah. but even then like it i it's yeah i don't know there's really just like one character that's spooky in the movie. Well, that's all you nice. need, Olden. Yeah, it's true. You just need there's one character that can give you nightmares. I got nightmares from <laughs> Jim Carrey's The Grinch and The Nutty Professor, okay? <laughs> As a little kid, so <laughs> very impressionable, okay? Um it's really good. I don't know if I have anything else to say non-spoiler-wise, Holden. I I don't think so. I don't think I have anything either. So just yeah. go see it. it honestly, like I, I would be uh, shocked if someone went to this and I'm like, I didn't like that. I did not find enjoyment in that. And I don't think it was technically well done. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's incredible. It's a testament to how good it is with how the box office is being received and everything. I think like initially, I feel like the first weekend it came out, like they were projecting it was going to be a failure, but now it's earning well above everything it needed and and then some so go see it um i think for me personally i think i have to give it a 10 honestly i i really don't have any issues with this movie and i just i'm kind of obsessed with it right now and it's even on video on demand if you really want to get it that way too yeah that's another thing is it i mean people are still going to see it in theaters even though it is on demand right now so that's how hyped people are getting for it so there we go. All right, sweet. Hold on. Let's dive into our spoiler review. All right, spoilers uh, for Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Um, starting out uh, kind of from the beginning, I mean, obviously we have that intro scene and uh, Puss in Boots dies, gets his, his eighth uh, hit his eighth life is taken a little bell to the head. Yeah. Um, I really did like the, the montage with him and his different deaths. Mm -hmm. I thought was, was pretty creative. Well, well timed with the music and everything. Good little cameo from Gingy there. (laughs) Gingerbread man. Oh yeah. Um, which was fun. (laughs) Um, yeah. And there's a good cameo from Pinocchio later on too, but, um, yeah. Um, and then, 
after that whole meeting, then the first encounter with death is is pretty intimidating. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, his it's, whistle is. I mean, that was spooky. Yeah, like he, his, he, talk about a character having a presence. And it's crazy because, like, the wolf is probably the most talked about, at least from what I've seen, one of the most talked about aspects of this movie. And I guess, you know, we're in spoilers, so it's death, and the wolf is death. Which I um, thought was pretty obvious from the beginning, but some people were like, what the heck? I guess that was a big twist for some people. Yeah, it, I think it's telegraphed pretty early. And there's some, like, there's some, like, I on the third time watching it, I was like, there's some, like, weirdly subtle hints to it i think it is pretty like heavy-handed at points but like when uh the doctor barber guy like uh says death he like blows out the candle and then when they first meet in the tavern the candles blow out oh wow i was like well that's that's like really cool (laughs) there um but anyway um i just like it's it's like it's the big bad wolf like yeah basically the best that he's ever been done um the and yeah the whistle has li- pretty much lived rent free in my head since <laughs> since watching it for the first time it, it is creepy it's such a tone shift from like the first scene because first scene you know you have puss he's and on top of this he's he's no issue fighting this giant stone giant and then all of a sudden he's getting his butt kicked he even gets he even draws blood like the wolf draws blood um which i was pretty impressed they committed to i thought it was gonna be like jelly or something on his head or something i was like oh but now it is blood um and then yeah just him chasing him into the into the toilet and everything it's it's great and we don't even i we don't even get like that much of death in this movie overall we get him pretty much like three scenes of like actual interaction with a couple other small appearances uh, but that's how much of an impact he leaves. He's just fantastic. Yeah, you are just anticipating him coming back into the fray at any mm-hmm. moment. And it's like when you're least suspecting it, there he is. Yeah, exactly. Like once you finally feel safe and comfortable. <laughs> He's just there. I mean, and he, Puss it literally has a full-blown panic attack. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. Um that panic attack, I cried the first time I saw it. When he when he pets Perito in the yeah. woods, that made me cry, uh, or at least shed a it few was tears. Very cute, it was. Um, before we get off death too quickly, though, I I do want to mention I like his weapons, his little scythe things. Yeah, his Those scythe. are so cool. Um. Anyway, I guess are they like um, sickles almost? Yeah, I, I guess sickles scythe might be sickles? a bit more. Sickles might be a bit more accurate. Um, but then he goes off to he goes off to the cat home, which I think is good. They only had it in there as much as they did. I feel like that aspect of the movie could become annoying. Um, I was amazed po- how short that was because I feel yeah. like that was a big part of the trailer. Yeah, I and I feel like it's something you just kind of expect a lot of the middle of the movie to do. But I mean, they do it within the first act, and it's out and done. I thought that was going to be like the rest of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, that's what I thought, and I was like, "Oh wow, it's over already." But I think that's wise because I, yeah. I think the adventure they go on then is just much more interesting. But I do like the time at the home, and I mean, it introduces Perito, who is just the cutest little dog, and another example of a character that could quickly become annoying, but is just so endearing because he's such a like the opposite of both 
Puss and Kitty Softpaws. He's just so trusting and loving and everything. And his story is like, is so tragic, <laughs> so sad. His <laughs> other puppies in his litter tried to drown him. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> and then he like he lives in the sock that they tried to drown him in yeah like oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) but yeah his his optimism is just kind of a nice breath of fresh air throughout the movie um uh but then you get uh goldilocks i was gonna say her her intro was hilarious yeah (laughs) too small too big just right i felt like they overplayed that joke would be my one like they did it like four or five times so i was like they could have done it that intro part and then at the end i thought and yeah they could have lost I mean, its effect for me yeah i mean rule of threes in comedy if you just done it once in the beginning once in the middle once in the end i think it would have worked would have worked well but yeah i think that i agree they did do it one too many times or two too many times um but overall i mean i think i think as antagonists they work i like the bears themselves the the gang kind of the dynamic they have goldilocks is is voiced by florence Pugh, who does a good job um it is interesting that i i was thinking about it like each villain kind of serves a different like villain stereotype because like you have goldilocks who's the sympathetic redeemable villain you have the wolf death who's like the force of nature and then you have jack horner who's just the unapologetically evil like antagonist <laughs> mustache twirling villain um but and speaking of jack horner do we don't talk about him yeah i mean he he's, steals the show right he's like, so good <laughs> it is so funny just how evil he is they just totally <laughs> lean into it and he's like self-aware evil <laughs> And yeah. pairing him with Jiminy Cricket was just so <laughs> funny, especially after there were three Pinocchio movies that came out. <laughs> um, that was well, it's it's Jiminy Cricket doing a Jimmy Stewart impression. <laughs> it just sounds like Jimmy Stewart from It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, gosh, Jack Order. Uh, oh my gosh, you're a monster. You're an irredeemable monster. Well, you can't just shoot a dog in the face. You wouldn't do that, would you, Jack? <laughs> That's all. Yeah, really I'm gonna do it just like this. Yeah, <laughs> baby unicorn horns, unicorn horns, baby unicorns. Yeah, it's it like they play into it so much. There's there's the pretty funny line where uh, where. Uh, Jiminy's talking to him about like, oh, let's let's get down to the root of it. Like, how was your childhood? And he's just like, oh, I didn't have much. I just had a loving family, you know, <laughs> financial <laughs> <mansion>. stability. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like this guy's just evil for like no for almost no reason, or oh I mean, gosh. probably a reason, but not one we're given. But so funny, it's hilarious. <laughs> All the <laughs> adult humor that's just thrown in. I think Jiminy Cricket was like the crux of most of the adult humor. Yeah, honestly, because it, it's it it's. I mean, I think the kids will like look at it and be like, "Oh, it's a funny talking bug." But then, like the adults are like, "Oh, this is like actually really funny." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that was a very entertaining part of the movie okay. for me. That just and, that dynamic and and Jack Horner in general and the was Baker's hilarious. dozen, the Baker's dozen, <laughs> and they have like a big Mad Max vehicle, <laughs> <laughs> and he just is horrible to them yeah he just doesn't care i like the him pulling out excalibur but it has a, <laughs> still has the rock on the end <laughs> couldn't get this off but here it is 
That was which, really funny. I forgot it did bother me joke. a bit because I, I did bother me a bit because I think in Shrek the Third, King Arthur pulls out the sword. So a uh, continuity error um, in the Shrek universe. Uh, the Shrekiverse. In the Shrekiverse, actually, but I, I actually don't care that much. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen Shrek the Third. No, I think it's, I have, and it's I probably like the it. worst one. I never saw Shrek Forever After. I don't think. That was one, Shrek 4 was one that people didn't like when it came out, but people are like warming up to. I think people think that one's better than 3 now, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't seen it since it came out. Um anyway, Jack Horner is great, so funny. Um uh, the little <laughs> Terminator 2 T2 reference when he dies. Oh yeah, <laughs> thumbs down. The thumbs up. <laughs> I thought I was like what the heck? It's a blink and you miss it Terminator reference. <laughs> so funny. Well cuz any like anyone who doesn't understand the reference can just see it as oh he's just doing the thumb in the pie thing, which has been established earlier yeah. in the movie. Like that's Jack Horner's thing. Um but yeah, it, it, it's very funny. For um, I, I wonder how many people who are seeing this movie have also seen Terminator 2. I mean, I'm sure most of the adults. Uh, yes, it, probably most of the adults. Yeah, you're right. But, yeah, it's it's entirely for the adults. If any of the kids have seen it, I guess maybe that's parenting issue. I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, even if you've seen Terminator 2, I almost like you might not even catch that reference. Well, <sighs> I don't. I feel like that's a pretty iconic bit from Terminator Two, though. Like, I, yeah. I, I, that's been parodied. Like, freaking Doom twenty sixteen. That game. If you fall in a lava pit, the Doom guy gives a thumbs up as the fades, as the screen fades to black. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I liked that bit. Um, I guess in in general, that whole dark forest is is like a cool concept, and I I like what they do with it. Yeah, how um, it changes. Mm-hmm. What well, just depending on whoever's holding the map and whatever, and there's like a little the Marauders cool, map effect. Yeah, um, and so we we kind of get a little bit from each of their perspectives. That like puss and pusses and uh, kitties are both like just terrible like lava swamps, and then. Peritos is just this nice little meadow. It's so cute. But even like in the cuteness, like you still have the 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 pocket full of posies or whatever they call it, where it's they just eat people. <laughs> like <Yeah>. you don't <laughs> So it's still like it's still a big challenge, but just in this more cutesy aesthetic. Uses the Phoenix to just flame thrower through yeah. these flowers. <laughs> that was really funny. Um Oh, and I uh, there's a lot of like almost swearing in this movie. Like, there's a Perito has a few moments where he just uh, it, like bleeps out a swear. Oh yeah, that's kind of right. it's you, you know you can kind of use your imagination. There's there's one part where like Kitty Soft Paws is about to say bullshit, and then Perito's like shh, wait or something. Yeah. Like, it's pretty funny. Um, it just that just leans into like the more adult humor of this. It, it doesn't feel sanitized at all, um, and yeah, it, it's that all is very good. I guess um, going back to the dark forest stuff, I really like the bit towards it's. I guess it'd be like end of second act where they're at Goldilocks and the Three Bears, their cabin, and then like. They, the map gets stuck in like an in-between state 
so they're like jumping around like these floating objects and it's it's just kind of this uh, it's kind of cool that it's in this process of changing but i don't know it's all very cool yeah um cool set pieces everything with death and standing and confronting death that was cool and death mm-hmm. smashing all the other puss in boots and i just yeah that was really cool all of that um yeah puss they, just we'll go ahead I was just going to say, yeah, Puss learning to, you know, not fear death in both a literal and figurative sense. Um, and also him just, I mean, they they mention it a few times. I mean, they, Perito literally says it earlier in the movie, but learning to, you know, stop and smell the roses, learn to appreciate what's in front of you and all of that. It's, I think it's such a natural progression for that character. It makes me interested for him specifically like if he does if they make a new shrek movie and he's in it like how are you gonna keep puss in boots with this well-developed you know character he's become and not just make him like one note like he kind of was before i don't know well i almost hope they use him as the new anchor for this franchise and they kind of hint that some sort of follow-up film and then at the end yeah yeah because they're going they go back to far far away to meet some old friends as they say Mm-hmm. I'd be down for another one of these. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, certainly, no doubt about it. Um, the whole uh, kind of final battle on the wishing star was very cool. A lot of fun. I, there, you have the redemptive moment moment for Goldilocks, mm-hmm. and um, then the the fight, the sword fight with Death. There is really cool. It's yeah. honestly not very long, but it's it's flashy. My favorite part of it is when it like goes behind the flames and you see like the silhouette of them fighting and it's i mean just thinking about how they animate all this it's so cool every time death is like pick it up like (laughs) to the sword yeah taunting puss in boots about the life flashing before his eyes that's oh it's so good (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's so good this movie i uh it kind of is um i mean it's it's not as one for one as maybe i was expecting with this comment but i mean i i saw before i watched this movie it described as like the logan of puss in boots <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of is i mean it's it's not like one for one it's not all the same themes or whatever but you can you can draw some parallels here and obviously it's a kids movie versus an r-rated you know superhero movie but yeah certainly it's pretty awesome all right. Anything else, um, Holden? I don't think so. Oh, I, I guess didn't really mention it too much. I think the romance between Puss and Kitty works really well. I do too. Um, it, that was honestly probably one of the better parts of the first movie was their relationship. So them kind of expanding on it and, you know, the the backstory of Puss and Boots not showing up to the chapel, even though you figure out Kitty also did not show up. And yeah, I thought it that was really good. And the the beard trimming scene was very funny and everything but yeah i liked it i liked it a lot i'm trying to think if there's like i i like i haven't talked about specific jokes i guess aside from jack horner i feel like there's just something i'm missing but i don't know it's whatever don't need to go through every I guess joke. you'll have to see it again i guess so <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, apparently my nephew's really into the first Puss in Boots right now, my three-year-old nephew. So uh, mm-hmm. let's get him in front of this movie, huh? Oh, yeah. Be like, hey, this is the real Puss in Boots. Hey, why don't you put away Illumination Grinch and let's watch a real movie here. 
All right, Alden. With that being said, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, what am I doing this week, Jimmy? Well, I did watch Puss in Boots <laughs> three times since last Sunday. Okay. So, uh, I mean, that that was one thing. All right, um, let's spend another half hour take, analyzing that movie. Yeah, let's do it. No, um, I rewatched Pulp Fiction this week. Um, wow. Which I don't think I had seen in five years. Still um, your favorite movie, or is La La Land now your favorite? La La Land's my favorite. Um, I don't know where it ranks among my favorites right now. I'm not. I haven't known for a while. To be fair, I I think it's still very very good. And there's like so many aspects to it that I'm like, this is just. It's so iconic. It's so well thought out. There's so many parts of it I just love. I on. I mean, I think it is still my favorite Tarantino. I think. I mentioned it when I rewatched Reservoir Dogs. I might rewatch all of his movies, or at least most of them, because a lot of them I haven't seen in at least half a decade. Especially like Inglorious Bastards and Django. I feel like those are the and maybe, and Kill Bill. So those those ones are the ones I need to rewatch the most. Um, Tarantino's due to make him another movie. It's been four years. Yeah, when we don't know anything about it, so. <laughs> Hopefully he's he's hard at writing a script at least. Yeah, well, but, it'll be quite the gap. Yeah, um, but yeah, Pulp Fiction it rocks. Who would have guessed, right? Um, very very good. Um, other movies I watched this week. Let me pull up my my letterboxed. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> let me just. Pull I actually my don't think I. Here. I actually don't think I watched other movies. Okay, one thing I did watch, I've started watching though. Have you ever heard of On Cinema at the Cinema? No. Okay, it's this weird adult swim, like, I want to call it an experiment. It started in the early 2010s, and it's basically, it's um, Tim Heidecker, who is one of the co-creators of Tim and Eric, um, and this other comedian, Greg Turkington. They created this, like, it's a movie review parody show essentially where like the every they do like 10 episodes a year or something and they'll do like an episode and the gag is basically that they've never seen the movie they're talking about and so it's just them like fake reviewing a movie and they're like purposefully really bad and everything but the series is like insanely big because you have the you have those every year they do like a three hour long Oscar special that they like improv live alongside the Oscars. They have like spinoff series. It's this huge, like adult swim cinematic universe thing that I was not aware of really prior to like Christmas when one of my friends in Lincoln told me about it. And I'm like addicted to it right now. Hmm. It's so just like, it's hilarious. It's like the driest sense of humor possible. Just everyone in it is like, playing it completely straight hardly anyone breaks character ever ever. the two leads are like basically playing fictionalized versions of themselves and it's all just terrible but like on purpose it's it's so weird i like i don't i don't even know like if i can recommend this to anyone like it's maybe if you are at all interested you can watch like a lot of it on youtube just on like official adult swim channels and stuff but like watch the beginning or whatever it's so weird and there's like this ongoing story there's like a feature film that was released in theaters like that's a spin-off of it i like i 
Weird. bizarre stuff, man, but very, very entertaining. So on cinema at the cinema is what it's called. Uh, I've been binging it lately. Um, aside from that, uh, I've watched a little bit more White Lotus. Still a lot of fun. Um, video game wise, been playing Horizon. Still really liking it. Um, I also earlier this week bought uh, Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, which I had mostly because um, YouTuber on YouTube, if any of you are familiar with Video Game Donkey, who I quite enjoy, he's like a comedic gaming YouTuber. He made a video about it recently, and I had played the original version years ago, um, but then I saw the like, kind of updated version was on sale on the playstation store i was like oh, i'll play it and i i'm having a lot of fun with it i'm gonna platinum trophy it which isn't honestly that hard to do but if you're unfamiliar with stanley parable it's basically just like a first person adventure game where it's it's like a satire on just storytelling and video games and there's like dozens of endings you can get you can, i mean you can end the game as quickly as like 30 seconds in up to like 20 30 minutes in it's it's very funny very self-aware i really like it and the stuff they added the ultra deluxe content as they call it is is already like self-aware about like dlc and stuff it, it just adds to the game it's very good so highly recommend that game not too much of a time sink probably by the time i platinum it i'd say it's it'll be like eight hours at most really not bad but like it a lot Nice. Uh, but I think that's it, Jimmy. What about you? All right. Uh, TV show wise, finished Mindhunter. Um, yeah, what a tease to not have a third season to that show. Right? The right? Whole, the whole show builds up to a third season that does not happen. They're, they have to make that at some point, right? Like, that's going to happen. Well, I mean, t- yeah, I feel like. Everyone involved seems so on board to keep going and like the there's dedicated fan base and everything. I mean it ultimately it only stopped because everyone involved got so busy. It wasn't even like Netflix canceled it. It more of just went on an indefinite hiatus. So I feel like it has to happen at some point. They have to finish it. I mean like they literally like they <laughs> the opening scene of most episodes is building to something that will happen in the third season. Mm-hmm. And like the end of the second season ends on like a cliffhanger kind of. So they got to make it. I mean, come on. Great. Uh, very good though. Enjoyed it a lot. Um, glad. What's that? I said, I'm glad. Oh, sweet. I thought you said, why? Like, why did you enjoy it? I'm like, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, that gosh, just sucks. Why'd you enjoy it? I'm like, <laughs> but you're like my English teacher being like, explain your reasoning. <laughs> um let's see uh so before i i was planning on watching the white lotus but i'm like okay i what should i actually watch coming up here mandalorian season three is coming out in march haven't watched the first season since it came out haven't watched the second season since it came out so i'm like i'll rewatch it um i upon rewatch i like the pilot much more now than i did when it came out like i think mm-hmm. it's a very solid pilot now and at the time i was very lukewarm on it yeah, we watched it together. And uh, I don't remember what you thought, but... I think we were kind of on the same page. But, I remember uh, being underwhelmed. I think I gave it like a 7 out of 10 or something. Honestly, I'd, I think I'd give it like an 8.5 out of 10 now okay. if I was rating it. I think it's very solid 
for whatever reason just clicked more with me this time um and i like the second and third episodes a lot so i'm in the third episode right now i think um yeah just enjoy the show a lot and uh we'll see how you know the peaks and the valleys go uh going into the third season and remember all the little nuances that i've forgotten otherwise gaming wise been playing through the last of us part one the remaster for ps5 with the show uh you can listen to our kind of reviews of each of those episodes to get my thoughts more in depth on that but uh one thing that i have actually been using is the hints that are built like the hint cards for ps5 um, okay. because i think i will actually get the platinum trophy for this game and the hint cards help immensely with that for knowing where to find all the collectibles and whatnot as you play through the game um so i don't have to go over go back and replay a bunch to find the collectibles i missed um but I only to- thought about doing this like halfway through the game. So there will be parts <laughs> that I'll just have to kind of speed through to get a few things. What uh, what do you have to do to get the platinum? Just get, It's like, like all find all the artifacts, open all the doors, find all the pendants. Okay. Um, there's a couple like specific ones where it's like um, Ellie asks for a high five at a time in the game. You can't high five or like leave her hanging or like... Uh, when okay. you're in Pittsburgh with Henry and Sam or Will or whoever it is, um, you need like turn off that generator light without being seen. I did okay. not do that in my while well, I was playing through it now because I did not realize that was a trophy. So I'll have to go back and do it. Some specific ones like that. There are specific ones for the Left Behind DLC, but really it's much more much 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 more attainable than the than the original's platinum was okay which naughty dog platinums used to be like impossible <laughs> yeah geez the uncharted games are yeah um bit much so like 10 percent of players i think have it about so i'll get that i'll just have to replay some sections which i am totally okay with um because i like that game a lot if you didn't know holden really yeah oh so oh I just God. decided I'm not going to play any other video games in my lifetime, and I'm just going to play that one on loop. <laughs> well, now with Suicide Squad not looking promising, <coughs> that's one less one you can feel bad yeah. about, maybe. Well, one fewer game. Holder. Yeah, okay, one fewer. Stannis Baratheon over here. <laughs> um, let's see. Otherwise, is that all? Uh, oh, Emily and I are watching Game of Thrones Season 8. Holden, first time I've seen it since it's come out. So we watched The Long Night. Uh, mm-hmm. The iconic uh, White Walkers battle at Winterfell that uh, everybody complained about being too dark when it came out. And I will say that I don't think it's too dark. I just think parts of it are disorienting because it's badly edited and directed or mediocrely edited sure. and directed. I don't think it has that much to do with the lighting on my nice TV. Um I think the issues I have with the season are the same issues, but I do think it gets a lot of things right, but we have not watched the fifth episode, which is like my least favorite or most disappointing episode of the entire show. So it is. Yeah. So uh, we'll watch that. I'm assuming all the same thoughts will be interesting. I will not be as emotionally charged watching it this time since I know what (laughs) happens. Um, But only two episodes left on the rewatch. And then, uh, then I won't even know what to do with my life holding. Yeah. 
uh, done rewatching Game of Thrones, almost done with Last of Us. Like you're gonna have to replay something. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to redo them both again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's it. I think there we go. Cool. Um, so next week, I don't think we'll commit to anything right now, just because uh, Academy Award nominations are coming out this week. So I think it might be a good week to hit up one of those. So we'll see what's nominated. Um, so we'll figure it out. We'll have something, uh, but also we'll have Last of Us episode three. Yeah, I mean, potentially in. we could do missing. Oh, that's true. Which I is supposed to be good. good. I never saw searching. You liked that, right? I did like searching. Yeah. Um, it was funny to watch the Jeremy Johns review where he's like, "My goodness, I don't remember the name of the movie I'm talking about because mit- missing and searching are very similar titles." <laughs> he kept referring to both of them, which was very funny. Um, yeah so we could watch that potentially um otherwise again nominations last of us part two we'll see what happens not last, last of us, us part, part two, two. see <laughs> last of us episode three yeah i don't know where you got the two from but um yeah anyway we'll we'll do something uh, if you want to leave us a request you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on itunes or by emailing us at tompodcast at gmail.com or by donating to our patreon I believe that's it, Jimmy. Sweet. Another one in the bin. Until next time. Adios, pantalones. Love you. That one movie podcast.